0: The Steelers Standard, on Steelers Nation Radio
1: and Podcast, on Steelers.com.
0: Going to take a look around the NFL, take a little bite out of some NFL headlines here sure. on this episode of the Steelers Standard, and the biggest headline was dropped down from at uh Peter King, excuse me, I almost dropped said Adam down. Schefter, because Schefter breaks almost everything, but... Peter King broke this news last night around, oh say, like 8.10, 8.15 in the evening that Bruce Arians, the Super Bowl-winning head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, multiple NFL head coach of the year award winner, has decided to step down from the head coach role of the Buccaneers. Is it step down or step up into another position? Mm, if it was, like, GM, assistant GM sure. even, maybe I'd say but step still up. front office. Senior, like it's senior football mind or whatever. It's still, I get a ring
1: if we win a Super Bowl.
0: That's true, but it's also kind of, hey, we're still going to give you a paycheck, but number 12 doesn't want you to be the head coach anymore. Am I reading too much into that here? But I kind of think that there's some shadow movement here behind the scenes of Brady pushing Bruce Arians out of the head coaching role and into the front office. I mean, you remember that. There was reported rifts between Arians and Brady. Brady wasn't exactly the biggest fan of Bruce Arians towards the end of his first tenure in Tampa Bay before he decided to retire for a couple (laughs) weeks. Then there was all the rumors that, was he really retired? Did he want to just force his way to San Francisco? Miami has been another team that came up as a location for him to force his way to. And Arians came out and said that thing where he was like, it's going to take five first-round draft picks right, for good me luck. to trade Tom Brady. Maybe Brady was a little peeved about that. So he says, well, then I'm retiring. Screw you. And when the retirement play didn't work, I mean, we all remember the the fateful was, – was it a Sunday? Yeah, it was a fateful Sunday because it was Selection Sunday. Right. Where he went to the Manchester
1: – Well, he went to the Manchester
0: yeah. United game, was sitting in the crowd, Manchester United owned by the same guys that owned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So he meets with his owner, kind of talks it out with him. Has the little powwow with Cristiano Ronaldo out on the pitch after the game. Out on the pitch. And about five or six hours later, you get the I'm back, LFG, Tom Brady's unretiring. Like, I really think that there is a lot more than just what meets the eye here. I think Tom Brady pulls almost all of those strings in that Tampa Bay front office, in that Tampa Bay organization, And I think he really didn't want B. A. to be the head coach anymore, but you can't really, you know, fire a guy as successful as him. So you kind of usher him into this new role. Role, excuse me, and you elevate Todd Bowles to be your head coach Mm -hmm. now. Todd Bowles, I like Todd Bowles as a head coach. I don't hate it. He was okay with the Jets, right? I mean,
1: I mean, you're with the Jets, and now you're with Tom Brady, the guy who kicked your ass all the time when you're in the Jets, and the team surrounding Tom Brady, which basically has almost every piece returning from that Super Bowl championship team two years ago. And I think a big key here is Todd Bowles' defense in Tampa Bay. Was good.
0: Has been top five pretty much ever since he's been there. Well, I just meant also when he was in New York. When New York, too. But in Tampa Bay, that defense has been humming. So you bring a defensive guy in now to be the head coach, which that makes a lot of sense, right? Brea, offensive-minded guy, probably sticks his nose in things a little too much for Brady's Mm -hmm. liking. So what do you do? You bring up the defensive coordinator who has head coaching experience. You make him the head coach. You're the defensive guy. And Tom Brady handles the offense, right? Like that sure. makes a
1: lot of sense to you, does it not? No, it does. Uh, I'm just my, – my big takeaway from the Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, skiff, you could call it, is I remember when Tom Brady first came to Tampa Bay and he said, I love playing for Bruce Arians because I've never had an NFL coach During my time in the league, of which it wasn't football, 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 where everything revolved around the game, Bruce Arians said to me, yeah, man, you don't have to come in on Wednesday. I know you know how to play this game. I know you know the playbook, even though it's your first year here. Take the day off. Tom Brady's, like, first day off (laughs) in, like, what, 19, 20 years? So I I thought that Tom Brady kind of liked Bruce Arians because of the flexibility Bruce Arians gave him. But I guess... There was far more to it than just that. And do you really think this is the writing the, the writing on the wall is clear that it was Tom Brady's decision? Tom Brady kind of went went uh above Bruce Arian's head to the front office and said, Let's get someone else in this position. You really think that's the case here? I don't know if he went above like and was just like we need to get someone
0: else in this position. I just think he was kinda open with him about, you know, how he felt and how he would feel better if BA, uh, I decided to come back, you know, I'd maybe feel better if BA wasn't as hands-on with the organization and then, you know, they take the hand. It's not like Brady just walks in and demands it, like that quarterback in Mr. Deeds when he runs in and (laughs) starts demanding that he's not going to play another down until he gets a new contract. But I think there was kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge there. But he get, he, Byron Leftwich is still there as the OC. He was a very popular candidate for head coaching jobs. Jacksonville was one of them that was linked with Leftwich. But he stays, likes Brady, or Brady likes him a lot. They have a good working relationship. Now Todd Bowles is the head coach. You'd have to assume he'd be a little more hands-off as far as the offense is concerned, look more towards the defense because that is his forte. So I just think this reeks of Brady. And I think that any move really made by Tampa Bay reeks of Brady and the final thing you have to explore about this, and maybe the most important thing to explore, is Antonio Brown coming back? Now I that BA so. is not there to oh, stop it, point. is Tom Brady going to get his old buddy AB back? Or does quitting and taking off your shoulder pads and doing jumping jacks in the New York Jets end zone pretty much burn the bridge to even Tom Brady? Like, does that, that not prop- even Tom Brady, hands- but it
1: should burn the bridge to the whole organization. There should be no one on that team that says, this guy is good.
0: Let's bring this guy back in.
1: Even if he has world class talent, it's not worth it as a distraction. Because guess what? That's all anybody. The Buccaneers didn't they nearly lose to the Jets that game? They did. Like like the Jets won like two games all year, and and the Buccaneers have Tom Brady, and the Jets nearly beat them except for that last second touchdown. Right. Well, that's the
0: thing. Tom Brady threw the ball to Scotty Miller. I think it was like eighteen. But no
1: one talks about that. All people talked about was Antonio Brown. You can't, you can't bring a guy like that into your locker room. But you know what? Someone's going to do it eventually. I just don't think it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this next headline's a bit of a head scratch for me, a bit of a
0: weird one. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens have had some stalled long-term contract negotiations uh, on over the end. There's some uncertainty over whether Lamar has his sights set on free agency in 2025. So, there's become this narrative out there now that Lamar doesn't want to stay long term with Baltimore. He wants to explore his free agency options. Well, however, the quarterback came out and put that to bed himself via mm-hmm. Twitter uh, yesterday morning. Quote, I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell putting that false narrative out that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. I roll emoji. Now, he could be lying right now, he could absolutely be thinking about leaving someone in his camp leaked something to somebody that shouldn't have been leaked, so now he has to come out and do damage control, which is what any good franchise... This is like the anti-baker. Like This is like getting (laughs) the message out and correcting the message here, if you're Lamar. I bet that there's some stall as far as the long-term contract talks are concerned because it's probably the trickiest one of any of the marquee quarterbacks to nail down right because sure. he's going to want the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, now Aaron Rodgers money and he's going to have the a great case for it. I've won playoff games, I've been
1: league MVP. Well,
0: I mean, Did I say something false there? I mean, No,
1: no, no. I'm not saying anything that you've said is incorrect, but of all those quarterbacks who have gotten their big deals, this guy is the most injury prone and has missed the most. See, time. now
0: you're arguing like the Ravens side of it here. And that's where I think there's going to be some stall there, is because the Ravens are going to say exactly what you're saying, and I'm going right. to say, exa- and Lamar's going to be saying exactly what I'm saying. And you're going to get this kind of like baseball arbitration right. thing well, where these so, two sides can't get to the
1: middle. So, on do this. you think he, he, being Lamar Jackson, was lying when he said, We're all good?
0: Uh, I feel like because of the— I don't want to call him a liar, but I think that I could see it becoming a problem in the future. Because
1: you have to assume both sides firmly believe their opinions. Lamar firmly believes in himself. Former MVP. Yeah, I've won one playoff game, but it's incredibly dynamic player. I mean, you went 0-7 without me. You finished 0-7 on the year without me. Uh, this team, it's it's the, be, it's the best running team, running offense in the league with me at quarterback, and the Ravens are going to just go, yeah, but you're not even playing half the time for the last year and a half, so what what's the benefit of giving you this max deal if we're going to give you half of it for free because you won't be playing?
0: Now, Ravens owner Steve Bisciotti and general manager Eric DaCosta have both said that the team is committed to signing Jackson long-term, but that Jackson has been the one that hasn't really expressed any urgency to discuss a new deal. Uh, He's entering his fifth-year option this year. It'll pay him about $23 million this season. Uh, If the sides are unable to reach a contract extension by next offseason, Baltimore would have to place the franchise tag on Jackson to keep him from becoming a free agent. The owner said on Tuesday he doesn't see this being a problem. He thinks when Jackson's ready, they'll sign the contract. He's just not ready right now. But you'd be a little... Weary if you're a Ravens fan, right? Like, why is my star quarterback not exactly buying into that I want to get this long-term extension locked up as soon as possible? Is it because he thinks the Ravens might be trying to take him
1: for, a ride. for
0: what you were kind of saying there? Yeah. Well, you're injured a lot, Lamar. We don't know how your kind of style of play is going to last for the foreseeable future, so I don't know if we can tie up this Aaron Rodgers kind of money into you. So maybe he's trying to... At least, you know, But he's flirting with that danger of, hey, you go out there and put up a monster season, MVP-esque season. Hell, maybe you win the MVP again and win your AFC North division. They're just going to franchise tag you. So it might be in your best interest to start getting those negotiations off the ground as soon as possible, Lamar. Just saying. It might be. You don't want to be franchise tagged. No, you don't. This isn't a matter of like, oh, I just ride him out and I become not, a free agent. There is That's not the case.
1: You are not Kirk Cousins here. You are not in the position where getting the franchise tag is beneficial to you, right? Kirk Cousins was was a decent quarterback in Washington and then got the franchise tag, what, three years in a row there? Yes, that's perfect for Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins was getting far more money than Kirk Cousins should have been earning, right? And it was just Washington stalling on getting a deal done. Lamar Jackson, if he stays healthy, yes, could get could be one of the highest paid quarterbacks. But it's pretty obvious his game doesn't lead to guaranteed either, I, either A, on the field presence, or B, guaranteed money. Right, you, you, you need to be guaranteed on the field in order to get guaranteed money. And if you're Lamar Jackson, because you know you're not going to be guaranteed on the field, you I think you have to be the party of the two sides to say, hey, let's try to work something out. I'm willing to bend a little bit if 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 it means that I'll be here with you longer.
0: A couple policy changes in the NFL over time and a new adaptation to the Rooney rule was put Mm. into place recently because of the NFL owners meeting. Let's start with the Rooney rule. It's a new hiring mandate that is requiring each team to have at least one uh, person of color or woman Mm. as an offensive assistant coach on your staff. Not saying you have to interview them. Not saying you have to interview X amount of them. You have to hire someone from groups on your team Roger Goodell said the offensive assistant policy is a recognition of the fact that we don't have a number of offensive coordinators who are people of color. That's where most of the head coaches, at least in recent years, it has been a trend on the offensive side of the ball. This gives us an opportunity to develop some people in that area. I think this is a good move for the NFL. I think that the biggest problem with the Rooney rule, even though it has been a a great rule that was... In, incredibly instrumental as far as bringing the NFL into the modern age and and bringing the NFL into kind of the I'm trying to look at the word here the right way but just the morally just like the, sure to find that kind of balance with the league but it always has been kind of a suggestion right like not
1: like, not a mandate not, yeah, a, not like, a not a you, not a, not you have interview them but you
0: don't have to hire them right. so it's like how ha- and it led to. Kind of what Flores was claiming in his last two sham interviews. Finding
1: loopholes, yeah.
0: You know, he was texted congratulations from Bill Belichick that he got the New York Giants job, but went to Brian Dable, not Brian Flores. And this was before Brian Flores even had the interview with the Giants. So, like, that kind of proves that it was all just kind of a, a way to satisfy the rule and not really pay attention to the rule. Well, now I think this new mandate doesn't give any teams any kind of wiggle room Mm -hmm. around the rule you have got to sign or you have got to now comply to this you have to bring someone of a minority race or a woman onto your offensive staff Mm -hmm. in some capacity and i listen if you make the suggestion and the teams don't follow it year after year after year you've given them plenty of chances it's time to put your foot down
1: a little bit when it comes to this i agree and i think it's it's important for the game to have this rule, right? You can't just... It, it's good to have the Rooney rule as a basis, but... And I think teams did follow the Rooney rule when first implemented, but teams got smarter and they realized, oh, we can kind of figure our way around this by still telling the league that we... Well, there's not going to be any way you can hide or find a loophole when you're required to hire someone of color or of the female sex, You can't just put on a, you can't just put me and Tom out there and put a mask of like uh, Angelina Jolie and say, hey, look, I got a woman on my staff. There's, there's no way around this, and I think it's important because I don't think it's right how teams like the Giants at the time with Bill Belichick were trying to work their way around it. There's no reason that you should do that. I mean, you should. It's an equal and and it's an equal opportunity league, and every team should be abiding by that standard.
0: Yeah, a professor of sports law at American University, Jeremiah Duro, actually quoted on the story that I'm reading about this. And he said, you know, it's a significant step that the league has taken to become more aggressive in trying to diversify the offensive side of the ball. For decades, the offensive side of the ball with respect to diversity has been a real weakness for the league. Uh, There has been some progress in other sectors. We've seen progress on the defensive side of the ball in particular, but the offensive side of the ball has just lagged behind. The initiative shows a change on offense, a change that's needed. So that's why... I like this mandate even more. It's not just something that, you know, they threw a dart at a dartboard and said, let's do this. There was some actual was study problem. and yeah. focus grouping, and where do most of our head coaches come from recently? They come from the offensive side of the ball. Why are we lacking such diversity on the offensive side of the ball when we're starting to see more diversity on the defensive side, more diversity on the special team side of things? Like Why is the offense lagging so far behind? So I like that it wasn't just a a. It wasn't just the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. but it was focused in the right direction as well, Mm -hmm. which is a perfect storm. And I think, well, absolutely. I mean, you're not going to see anything right away. I mean, you will see things. There will be a slew of hires coming soon because they have to fill the mandate. But five, ten years from now, I think you're going to start to see a little bit of change here, a little bit of you know, building in the right direction. But maybe that's just me being glass half full because— our head coach, Mike Tomlin, right. didn't seem to think that was really going to inspire much change at all. And he might be right because, you know what? Who's been one of the most creme de la creme head coaching candidates for the past four or five years now? Offensive coordinator Eric Enemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And for hasn't whatever reason, he hasn't moved. Now, I'll buy into the—he has a kind of a closed agreement with the Chiefs and Andy Reid that when Reid decides to finally step down,
1: he'll, step he'll take in. over
0: as Mahomes' quarterback. For, it's also,
1: too, like— you, I mean, I get, like, the, the pay increase and the and the title increase, but you want to leave Kansas City where you're almost guaranteed to make it to the Super Bowl every year?
0: As long as you hang out with that number 15 guy. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, so I think that maybe that has something to do with I think that that is something I could buy, but... If that's not the case, then it's just malpractice that he doesn't have right. a head coach. Like if he does actively want to go to Jacksonville and, and try, and they're not
1: hiring him, or they're, t- they're not even taking, taking him the, the chance on him, yeah.
0: like a Chicago with Justin Fields or something there's like a, that. There's like, a ton
1: of. I mean, there's really only at every given every given year, there's two thirds of the teams that have a legitimate head coach. So at any time, even if they they retain their head coach, a third of the league isn't comfortable with their head coach, even if they decide to move forward with him.
0: Now, the other thing that came out of the owner's meeting, a little more focused towards the game itself, is a playoff rule change to the overtime format where now both teams will get a chance with the football Mm -hmm. no matter what happens to start the overtime. You could score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion after that touchdown. You still have to kick the ball off to the other team. This was the proposal that was formally submitted by the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles. It has been approved by the NFL. That means at least 24 of the owners have given it the thumbs up, and I love it. I yeah. think, you know, we would have had one of the one of the greatest games of all time would have become even better sure. if the Bills were able to get that football. So
1: there are three parameters to this to this proposition. And A parameter me, parametering henceforth both teams will have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime in the, in the postseason. That's basically the main gist of it. If the score is tied after each team has possessed the ball, the next score wins. Okay, you and I discussed in our previous episode saying we wouldn't hate it if it's... it's this is for the playoffs now. This is where it really matters. So it's okay that... It would have been okay if this was for the regular season, but if the playoffs kind of changed, we were saying how... In the playoffs, it should just be it should be a full fifteen minute quarter, right?
0: Yeah, and just doesn't just play it through, kind of like how soccer does it in the yeah. like Euros or the World Cup. You just play overtime. You can score like eight goals a piece in the overtime period if it's in the time
1: frame. I mean, it's the same way like you know basketball works. It's it's, it's yeah yeah five minutes thing, yeah play to the end. But for football, I mean, five minutes is way too short. You got I gotta give a whole fifteen minutes if you're gonna do it that way. Yeah. Right. So. That's one thing that we were we were saying, I wouldn't hate to see it, but they obviously chose to go in a different direction. And then the third is, and this is the weird part of it, if the team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety, are you following? Mm-hmm. I know it's a lot. The team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession. The team that kicked off wins the game. That makes sense to me. So it's the very first play of overtime on that kickoff, if it's a safety,
0: game over. That makes sense to me because the offensive team, the receiving team there is having their chance. Right. And the defensive team just scored right. the points for the it's offense. The so the offense doesn't need the chance. As a
1: fumble recovery for a touchdown or a pick six?
0: I, I, I think it's it's a great rule. Um there's gonna be more complaining though, right? Like Yeah, I mean there's no really matter people what out happens, there who had
1: our opinion said should just be a full fifteen minute period, give every team, give both teams. Every possible chance you know they what the, have to win.
0: You see, you know what I think the next one's going to be? Hmm. Oh, you can't end it on a field goal. Oh, that's stupid. So both teams get a chance, and then the other, the third team well, on the third try gets to kick a field goal, and the game's over. Well, you should have to win it. You should have to score a touchdown to end it. Now you kick just, a field goal, you should have to get the ball back. They should have a chance to tie the field goal.
1: Now I know saying, it sounds stupid, but, but that's what's going like to happen. Close to like college rules. Like, what do you mean you can't end on a? I mean, it's it's a score. Some thi- how many games end in regulation on a field goal? What? It's not good enough for you? Uh, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you why. Of course, they're looking into my crystal ball here. There will be people who complain as they always do. But it's going to be the losing teams that
0: complain. Like, that's how it always works out. Like, the team that loses, the fan base, it's all Mm. up in arms about it when there really isn't anything that wrong at all. And maybe if we just all take a deep breath and realize that, yeah, this time we came out on the bad end of the overtime rule. But next but time least, we'll come out on top. Right. Like things always tend to even right. out. It's like refs with a bad call. Like, yeah, we got a bad pass interference call against us. But maybe in the fourth quarter we'll be interfered with and they won't call. You know what I mean? Something like something like that. will happen that'll even the scales out. So I know there's going to be complaining, but I think the NFL. The NFL doesn't really take many missteps for me. No, I think they always are open to fixing their game, to adapting their game, to adjusting their game. You look at a sport like baseball, who just resists change oh, at terrible. every turn. And, and then when they, they make change, to change, and when they make change, it's worse. It's, it's, it's terrible. Like worse change. Like they go backwards, and they just refuse to listen to what their right. fan base wants, to what their players, right. anything. And then the NFL and the NBA is the opposite, where they take a lot into account of what their players want, what their fans want. The NFL, I think, out of all the pro sports leagues, it's is the, the best at having the fan and following. Yeah, I'd say fan the NBA wants. is
1: close as a- They're gonna
0: lean. They're leaning a little more towards the players than anything in the NBA right now. But yeah, it's the NBA and the NFL are the top two leagues in the mm-hmm. in the, the world, and it's pretty clear why when you see how they're running. A lot of people were clamoring both players and fans about this overtime rule and the NFL wasted no time in fixing no. it just like how they did the pass interference thing right everybody hated it we took it out right. you know what I mean like I they're not afraid
1: to say we're wrong right. they're not afraid to try something different I think that's the biggest takeaway here is that it may not be the rule change that everyone 100% can agree on but it's the rule change that the majority can agree on this is this is the, this is the change that needs to happen. Is at least give both teams a chance. Now, there's still going to be an opportunity, Tom, in future years where they can adjust the overtime rules. Yes. Right? They're not, I don't think they're going to take away the possibility of both teams having possession of the ball, but they can further make adjustments to it by whatever the fans are asking for, or if they notice something with these new rules, if if one more piece is missing, they can add that to it. It's, it's not... This isn't the end-all, be-all for overtime for the NFL for, for the rest of time.
0: Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. If you're still hungry for more and didn't hear our episodes from earlier in this week, go ahead and listen. We'll be back again next week with some more Steelers and NFL content. But until then, he's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.